This is episode 48 of the Popcast. Hello, welcome to the Popcast, the pop culture podcast from Vernacular. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Each week, we'll dive into the latest in pop culture with our three regular segments. First, the snack bag, where we cover some smaller stories from the past week. Second, the marquee topic, where we dive in depth into one pop culture story or event. And third, the teasers, where we give our suggestions for pop culture content you might have missed, but should definitely check out. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome to another week of the podcast. Maureen, how are you doing? I am great. I want to thank all of our longtime listeners. As we approach a year of recording, we have some dedicated fans who have checked out a lot of the episodes. We were speaking to one of our fans this weekend, my Aunt Nancy, who was very adorable and asked us why we were speaking so fast. She basically had accidentally pushed the 2x button or the one and a half x button. So both Josh and I and other podcasters that she was listening to were speaking really fast. And she was like, why on earth would the podcasting platform do this? So it was a very sweet moment. And we were excited to see her, excited to help her fix that problem. And also, thank you for listening, Aunt Nancy. We really appreciate you. Yes, thank you to all of our listeners. Please, if you like the podcast, share it with your family, friends, anybody you think might get a kick out of our take on pop culture. We would really appreciate it. Maureen, it is the unofficial kickoff to the summer Hooray! Are you excited? You've already been to the pool several Twice. times. Yeah. Caleb, our little boy, loves the pool. He's learning how to jump in. Yeah, he put on his little, we got him like a little uh, like puddle jumper, it's like water wings yeah, it's with like half life preserver. He was in his element today. I think he felt a lot more confident in it. And he was jumping off the side and swimming on his own. And it was just really fun. Do they sell those in adult sizes? Because I am not a confident swimmer. And maybe I could use a puddle jumper. I mean, they sell life preservers in adult sizes. What if I went to our pool and I had a full <laughs> life preserver and wetsuit on? The the pool is like four feet deep. I think that's. Just, I'm just not. I don't love the pool, but I, I will do. go. I'm a mermaid. I'm I a will, fish. I will go I'm a and enjoy sometime this summer. Turtle. Okay. What other animal can I be? You could be literally any sea creature you wanted. All right, we have a little bit of follow up. The first thing I want to say in terms of follow-up is that I got not one but two messages from listeners this past week about how I made a mistake on the podcast last week. I was informed that you could indeed buy singles. and You just weren't cool enough to know. I certainly wasn't cool enough. You could buy like single CDs. They would be the hit from a band and it would be just like on a CD, but that would just be the single. So one of the call-outs was our dear friend Kristen, who is also a Backstreet Boys super fan. She's going to the concert this summer. So get ready, Backstreet Boys. Kristen's coming at you. Who was the other person who called you out? My friend Angela, who listens to the podcast. Yeah, they both contacted me separately of each other and said, actually, you know that you could buy a single back in the day. It was like 3 or $4 to buy the the CD with just the one song on it. So I guess that did exist and it kind of <laughs> throws a whole wrench in my my. Clearly theory. they weren't like the most popular option, but for super fans out there, they could get the other songs. Yeah, absolutely. Just another little piece of follow-up. One of my teasers a ways back was this performance that happened on American Idol by a guy named Alejandro Aranda. I said that I thought he would do really well. I predicted that he would win the season. He did make it to the final three. He finished in second place. So I wasn't that far off back in my prediction. He's really, really good. And I think he'll have a long career in music. He was previously a dishwasher at a restaurant. 
and now he has vaulted onto the national stage in music. So good for him. He's really talented, and I look forward to hearing all of his music to come. Maureen, one piece of follow-up from you. A couple weeks ago, your teaser was the new season of The Bachelorette starring Hannah B. Hannah B., is that right? Hannah B., Hannah Brown. accidentally called her The Bachelor, which just goes to show you how far I've fallen from watching that show. But in the couple weeks that we've had so far, just give our listeners just a quick tease about how the season's going. I did watch one little piece. The guys seem unbearable. <laughs> There's a lot of testosterone flying around. Yeah. But Maureen, give us your take on Hannah B as The Bachelorette and a quick take on the guys on the show so far. First of all, this show is like candy, right? This is what you watch when you want to like turn your brain off. So I find it very enjoyable. I like Hannah B. I think she's doing a good job of holding her own so far. Um, and she's called out a couple of the guys on behavior she doesn't like, which I also really admire. The guys are just, I mean, we're at the point in the season where there's still a lot of guys on the show. They start out with like 30 or something like that. And there's just some like clowns, like straight up clowns. When you get to like the top five guys, at that point, it's like all pretty serious, like romantic relationships or as much as the producers will let you see of that. But at this point, we still have a lot of like antics and like machismo behavior. And it's It's terrible. I can only watch it on DVR. So like you can fast forward. It's not terrible. It's It's terrible. It's entertainment. That's what it is. Not really. I really enjoy it. You can't just yuck my yum. You said it was like candy. It's like uh, taking a spoonful of cinnamon and trying to get it down. It's terrible. it's not. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I'm quite enjoying watching it. So if there are any other Bachelorette fans out there, please message me and uh, perhaps I can convince Josh to do a bigger deep dive into this season. Let's move on to the snack bag for this week. Yeah, okay. Before we can do that, I felt like I had mispronounced a word and so I just Googled it while Josh was talking. Machismo. Machismo. Yeah. And I think it's machismo, but I Google will pronounce it for us. So let's see if I can do this. Machismo. Machismo. I've been saying it wrong my whole life. Machismo. Okay. Thank now you, that, Google. Now that Google corrected me. Thank you, everyone. Okay. We just have two items this week. The first one is that Ariana Grande had a new wax figure debut at the Madame Tussauds in London, and she wasn't pleased with the wax figure. I took a look at the picture, which we will link in the show notes, and it doesn't really look like her, but first, Maureen, I want to get your take on this particular wax figure, but then I also want to get your take on wax figures in general, because I used to work right near the Madame Tussauds in Washington, D.C., and it's creepy. I, there is there's just something about staring at a wax figure. They used to have one outside, so when I would get lunch, it would just stare back at you. And for a while, it was Michael Phelps, and he was just in a speedo, and he was standing That's on the like corner. Inappropriate. I just find wax figures so weird, and even weirder that people pay a lot of money to go to these museums and take pictures with wax figures of famous people. So, okay, first, your take on the Ariana Grande wax figure. Did it look like her? Did she have? you know, a reason to be a little upset about how it looked. Ariana Grande's statue doesn't look anything like her in the face. Everything else looks pretty spot on. Like, you know, it definitely looks like her likeness, but the face they made like very slender in yeah, the ways chin that is her, not even close. Yeah, it, it just doesn't look like her. It's very flattering and very pretty, but it's not her. So I totally agree that she should be like, um, what? You spent all this time and money doing this and it doesn't even and their figures are generally pretty good. Like they're fine. 
But okay, what is your take on wax figures overall? It's the creepiest, creepiest thing in the entire world. I've been to Madame Tussauds before, I think once. I don't have very strong memories of it, but my strong memory of a wax figure was at the John Brown Wax Museum in West Virginia. My brother's a super fan. He's definitely listening. But basically, we were there on a like, forced sightseeing trip with our mom, which actually ended up being pretty fun. But at one point, you like push a button and like the wax figure moves. Oh, no, 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 And so no. Like, I think Kevin or I had pushed the button and my mom didn't know that. And she was totally creeped out. I think she like screamed because she thought he was moving. So I'm not a fan of wax figures in general. I think I'd rather look at pictures of people. Like that to me is a lot more interesting. Like a portrait gallery, an artist's rendering of someone or an actual photograph of someone I would much rather look at. I don't see the point in standing next to a fake wax figure of someone holy moly i just looked it up because i was curious how much it costs to go so the madame tussauds in new york cost 45 dollars a person me. to go into the museum that is crazy that's crazy do please do not pay to go to madame tussauds look i have no skin in the game here but that is ridiculous our podcast is free, and we provide way more entertainment than Madame Tussauds. Yeah, just listen to the podcast. Should we move on to our last snack bag topic for this week? Yes, I also have strong thoughts about this one. So Josh sent this article on Adam Levine. What's happening with him, honey? After 16 seasons of appearing as one of the judges on The Voice, he has decided to step down out of his spinny red chair, and he will no longer be a judge on the show. Now, I guess they've had a lot of turnover in the judges' chairs, I think the only one who's the same from the very beginning is Blake Shelton. Yep, that's correct. You know, my thought about this is that it is sort of like his side gig because he's in Maroon 5 as well and he wants to be making music. And stripping at the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Wow, now that's back in my head. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> so I can see why he'd want to like step away, but it does seem like pretty easy money. So here's my thing. Even the way you announced this, like, oh, after 16 seasons, he's stepping away. Okay, guys. First of all, when I read the, when I read the title that Adam Levine was stepping away, I was like, what? How long has the voice even been on? It seems like it was yesterday. It wasn't. It was eight years ago, which just shows you like I'm old and like that this has all happened in my adulthood. So it seems like it was yesterday. So I guess it's been on for a while, but like eight years and 16 seasons is like nothing. My first thought was, how long has Alex Trebek been doing his show? So I looked it up and Jeopardy actually started before Alex Trebek. But he has been the host since it's been syndicated for a daily television network. And so he's been doing it for 35 years. That would be the equivalent of 70 seasons if you're measuring it how The Voice measures it. And he's still going strong. And then I was thinking, well, what's Adam Levine's problem? And I think you're right, Josh. Like, this isn't his main job. He's yeah, a musician would be like if, first. That would be like if Alex Trebek's main job was competing on game shows, you know, full time. And then can we please have him do that? And then that he comes amazing. and hosts Jeopardy as sort of his side gig. Yeah. You know, you know, in the grand scheme of things, eight years and 16 seasons is not that long. But I guess when it's not your main thing. I can see why he might want to step away. Even if it is your main thing, my next thought was that this is a different generation. And in the corporate world, as well as in, you know, uh, less traditional job paths, we're not staying in jobs as long, right? Like this isn't like a 25-year thing and then you retire. It's like people kind of hop around. So I wonder if part of it is also just maybe he's getting bored. Yeah, that's true. And I guess the other thing that we should consider is that is there sort of an inverse relationship as well? As in, 
if Adam Levine had never been on The Voice, would Maroon 5 still be as relevant as they are? So was there some... Well, then that's dangerous for him walking away. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see. I don't know. I mean, I've not ever been... I think he'll be a... back. I'm sure he'll be back as well. I think that there have been a couple who've been on and then come back. I think Gwen Stefani is going to take his place, and she was on previously. So we'll see. But yeah, I've never been a huge fan of the show, so I'm not sure entirely why he's stepping away, but... I guess back to Maroon 5 he goes. All right, I think that will do it for the snack bag this week. But before we move on to our marquee topic, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. Do you ever listen to an episode of the podcast and think, man, I'd love to give podcasting a try? Or maybe you think to yourself, that Josh, he's a hack. I could do my own show about pop culture. I'd want to keep Maureen, though. She's great. Well, I've got good news for you. Anchor, the very platform we use for the podcast, is the easiest way to make a podcast. Their platform is super simple to use and gives you everything you need to make your show in one place, either on your phone or on your computer. And the best part? It's completely free to use. They have the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast, and they'll take care of distribution so you can make your voice heard everywhere from Apple Podcasts to Spotify to Google Podcasts and more. You can also make money from your podcast, and get this, there is no minimum listenership required to start making money. So what are you waiting for? Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Okay, back to the show. Okay, so for the marquee topic this week, I wanted to do something a little interesting. This is an idea that I had after reading some things online, but what I want to talk about is public backlash to TV and movies, and we could talk more generally about public backlash to pop culture in general, but basically what happened was is that following the Game of Thrones finale that we touched on last week in our non-spoiler reviews, there was this thing that started circulating that was a petition on change.org that came about that said that they wanted competent writers to remake the last season of Game of Thrones. So they they wanted to entirely do away with the eighth season of Game of Thrones and then have what they deemed competent writers redo it because they were not satisfied with how the story played out. And over 1.6 million people have signed this petition. And so after that came out, there was some pretty heated exchange from some of the cast members, including Sophie Turner, who played Sansa Stark on the show, she called the petition disrespectful. And she really cited that, you know, the cast and the crew put in a lot of time and effort to making the show as good as they possibly could. So it got me thinking about this idea of, you know, public backlash and dissatisfaction with TV shows and movies. And I thought it might make a good topic for discussion this week. So the first thing I want to start with is, Maureen, do you think that there's any validity to public backlash to pop culture? Should it matter at all what the audience thinks? I think that it should matter, but not in the sense that it would change the outcome. Like, I think it matters because that's part of what pop culture is. It's the way in which we digest things and how we process things and how we consume them. And that's part of, it's like this, Pop culture is this living organism, right? It's like a back and forth. If you created films and you created TV shows and no one was there to watch them or react to them, then would they keep happening? It's like if the tree falls in the forest. Like there, these things are, Game of Thrones was created to be consumed by people and it became a hit, which means that it became like 
so popular that the fans were really invested. And this is one of the reasons that it was able to go on for so many seasons. It's one of the reasons that, you know, the actors were able to keep getting promoted and they they were able to keep upping the production value because they made more and more and more money. So I think that it can't be discounted. But at the same time, I do not think this is a choose your own adventure situation. I didn't particularly love the ending either, but I'm not signing petitions to change it. That's the way it goes. You know that fiction is fiction and you're at the mercy of the writers. I think what Game of Thrones came in is it was based on a series of books and that was taken as, okay, the books are like the true things that are happening to the characters. George R. R. Martin wrote them, that he dreamed them up. He knows what's going to happen to them. But the show ended up becoming so popular and he wasn't writing fast enough. So in the later seasons, there were no books. So now the show writers were the ones deciding the story. And I think that's where some of the like arguments have come up is like, you know, competent writers or whatever, they want to know, it's like people are like, well, what was the true story? What what really should have happened? Well, the answer is, it's all fiction, and we don't know what was in George R. R. Martin's head, or even if he had decided. I never watched Lost, but my family was very invested in it, and I remember when that show was on, you know, there was a lot of discussion about, like, what's the truth? What's the truth? Like, what happens at the island? And I don't actually even remember the ending, but I just remember thinking at the time, there is no truth this is fiction. So the writers are still deciding. Maybe they had an ending in their heads from the beginning, but maybe they didn't. And in that way, when they're, when you create something and there's no ending that's already been decided at the beginning, then I do think that public opinion influences the story because the writers are writing it as the public is reacting to it and there's no way to keep those separate. I don't think this petition is valid. I don't know if I would say it's disrespectful though. I mean, come on, Sophie Turner, it's a fictional universe. Well, I guess what she's offended is people saying that this season was bad. But what they're really saying is they didn't get the ending they want. Like the production value wasn't bad. Like the, the acting wasn't bad. Like the show is of good quality. So that was really a long-winded answer. I don't know. Do you agree? What do you think? You brought up some good points and so I'd break it down into two different pieces. I think the first thing is that I totally get where the actors and the crew are coming from when they say something like this is disrespectful because there's no denying the amount of work and effort that went into making something of quality. Now, I think your mileage may vary about how you received that and whether or not you feel like it did it justice based on how you perceive the rest of the show. But I think what people don't realize when they sign a petition like that is that just having competent writers doesn't mean that you're going to get something spectacular. And I think that it's just really a short-sighted way of sort of hiding behind, you know, a, a computer or a screen and saying like, you know, bringing your pitchforks out and saying like, I hated this and I want it to change. I think people well, don't... also like doesn't matter. Well, I, I mean, think that's a separate argument. I think to some people it matters a lot. I mean, like you think about things influencing your life and maybe it's not Game of Thrones, but maybe it's something else. But pop culture has value in that sense. And if something is life-changing for you in a certain way, and then they do something that sort of changes your perception of that, I can see why that might matter to people. So I don't fault people for having strong reactions. But I just think that it's a little it's a little short-sighted to say, like, if we just had better writers, then we would have had a better ending. And I think the other point is that it's something interesting you mentioned, which is, and you mentioned it in a couple different ways, so I think it's especially important to note, is that the show was made for the audience, but before maybe 10 or 15 years ago, 
the audience really didn't have a way of communicating back to the creators how they felt and what they thought and real specifics because the only people writing and talking about the show... Write a letter and mail it into the studio. Right. The only people talking about the show were critics or people working at big magazines or newspapers. You didn't have something like Twitter or Reddit or something where a fan could go on and say like, hey, I didn't like the ending of that book or something and here's my ending. So here you can read my 30-page ending that I decide is what is best for this story. So I think that is where things are a little different. And I think that's where the the problems with Lost came in, is that the show ended right about the time when all of these online platforms really started to pop up. And so I do think that the writers might have been influenced by the reaction of the public. Now, I don't think that they should have been, but they might have been. And so if you look back years and years and years ago, I just don't think that you would see the same kind of backlash that you see today. You might see it in different ways, like a show just might not have as many viewers or a movie might not make as much money at the box office. But this idea of a two-way street is totally new in the last 10 or 15 years. So I guess this leads me to my second question, which is, do you think it's ultimately helpful or hurtful for a show or a movie and shows and movies like that for there to be such a public discussion of its merits? And I want to kick this off by saying that One of the things I kept thinking about when we were watching the last season of Game of Thrones, and that's really been what's top of mind for me right now, and I was also thinking about this when we were seeing Avengers and, you know, the last movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and then when we were, when I was reading a bunch of stuff after it, but I started to be influenced about how I felt based on reading what other people were saying about it. So if people started to point stuff out, like, for example, the the rogue coffee cup that ended up in one of the scenes in Game of Thrones, that to me is a very minor thing. But the fact that it was, you know, like harped upon for so long, like it just got me thinking, like, maybe the production quality is a little sloppy. And it just it, it started to influence the way that I thought about something in a way that I wouldn't have otherwise. But that's why social media has influencers. This is a real thing. And it's not just with pop culture. We are influenced by what we're reading and seeing and seeing other people do. I've noticed it with myself. Like we, I think I've mentioned on here before, like taking social media breaks or like trying not to listen to too many of the same podcasts or the same voice. You really do soak up what you surround yourself with. So I think that if you're reading other people's reviews and you're reading all the negative ones, you're going to start to feel negatively. I mean, like this is just, again, one little example of this. But I do think that it's very telling that we can be exposed to so many different people's opinions and preferences. And yet at the same time, we're only seeing a small sliver of who we happen to follow or who those people happen to follow and reshare. And we're probably only seeing the most vocal minority of either side. So people who really love something or people who really hate something. We're not really seeing everybody else who falls in the middle somewhere, which is like, I like that, but it's not my favorite thing in the world because those people don't feel the need to get on social media and overshare. I mean, to me, this is not a good thing for our culture. Like, I think that it it negatively influences the way we watch anything. And it gets me thinking about my favorite show or favorite movie of all time. And I'm wondering if that will still exist in the future. Like, will my favorite movie or TV show change in the future 
because maybe it, it won't be able to because I'll just be so influenced by anything I read or hear about that, whatever it is in the future. So I'm just talking about, you know, generally, if there's a TV show in the future that I really like, but then someone has something negative to say and I start reading criticisms of it, you know, will I start to say, okay, maybe it's not my favorite TV show after all. And I'll rely on things that I remember from my past that I hold maybe on a pedestal, but maybe it's just because I was only influenced by my reaction to it. I don't think it's as severe as that. Like, I see... It's so severe. I mean, really. I I think that, like, you love Friends. I don't even think if 10,000 people were like, this is why Friends sucks, I still think you'd be like, nope, I like it. But But I have a fully formed view of Friends right now. I'm talking about something that I'm experiencing as it happens. Well, so maybe you should let yourself experience something before you go seeking out other people's opinions on it. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's easier to do with something like a movie. So, you know, if everybody had hated Avengers Endgame, I didn't read anything about it before we went and saw the movie because I didn't want to be spoiled. So I probably wouldn't have known. And I would have formed my opinion on the movie before I read anything. With a TV show as it's ongoing, you know, I was reading articles after every episode of this season of Game of Thrones. And because it was a weekly thing, you know, I was able to read throughout the week the coverage you know, both. I think you also seek this out. Like, I think you may be an extreme. I mean, guys, we all know Josh loves pop culture. He started this podcast. I think you may be an extreme example of someone who is looking to be part of that discussion. I do not get spoilers. Like, I can go on social media for weeks after Survivor and still not know who won because I don't follow those people or it doesn't come up. Like, I will watch the entire season of The Bachelorette and won't know any spoilers because I'm not seeking it out. So I do think that if you want to form your own opinions first, you can. What I'm I'm saying is, do you agree that it's at least something that we have to consider as being an influence on how we view things now that we didn't have to 15 or 20 years ago? Yes, but I think it's how we view everything, not just pop culture. Regarding this question, is it a good or a bad thing? I think that it's both good and bad, but I think it makes both exponentially more severe. So like if a movie is doing really well and gets a ton of people loving it, like for example, well, this is, this may be not a great, but Roma is what I was going to say, right? This is a Netflix movie. Some people watch it and then it like explodes. It was like overnight. It was like, this is an Oscar contender. This is going to be amazing. Like Roma, 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 Roma. And I was like, oh my, uh, like what? But like it can do it in a really positive way if everyone falls in love with it and then it's just positive and positive and positive snowballing, but it can also do it in a negative way. There's really very little middle ground anymore. Well, the middle ground won't be things we talk about a lot or hear about a lot because they'll just be experienced by people. I think it's the same, I don't even know if I should say this, but I think it's the same with politics, right? You only really hear about the extremes on either end. You don't hear about the people who are like fighting for the middle ground in a very rational way because that's not as exciting and it's not polarizing. That's not as scintillating. Right. It won't get as much attention. Can we get Google to say that word? Scintillating. (laughs) Sure. I'll look it up. (laughs) Scintillating. (laughs) Scintillating. Who is that? I don't know. So Scintillating. (laughs) So the last thing that I want to talk about here before we close out this marquee topic, and because this this topic was sort of spurred on by this petition that people signed to rewrite the final season of Game of Thrones... Maureen, I wanted to ask you, are there any TV shows or movies that you have watched that you would change the ending to, having watched the whole thing, but you just weren't satisfied? And if so, what are they and what would you change? I'll start with mine, and then I'll give you some time to think about it. Okay, so the one that I would change that stuck out in my head is a show that I really liked, 
and a show that Maureen liked. Oh, is it watched. How I Met Your Mother? Yeah, it's yeah. How I Met Your Mother. Definitely changed that so, one. So, and this is a spoiler. If you've never seen How I Met Your Mother and you're interested in watching it, I will be spoiling the final season. So if you don't want to hear that, just skip ahead a minute or two. But basically, the final season of the show took place over like a single weekend. And it was filled with a bunch of flashbacks. And it was a clever concept. But basically, the whole show was built to have the main character meet the title character of the mother and we kind of expected from the very beginning that we were going to see their love story and that they would live happily ever after and what ended up happening is that we didn't meet the mother as the audience until the very last season and our main character didn't meet her until like close to the final episode and so what we were left with was sort of like a lot of this untapped potential with what i thought could have been a much more poignant and like emotionally moving show basically the show previously had done a really nice job of balancing humor and you know emotional moments and i just felt like they 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 squandered it in the final season and i wasn't even mad so so the big twist at the very end of the show is that you know he spends all this time you know trying to meet the person he's going to spend the rest of his life with he meets her they have kids and then she dies and, you know, they, he goes back to this person that he had this on and off again relationship the whole time, a character named Robin. I wasn't even mad that the character of the mother died. Like, that that to me was fine. But it was just the way that they handled the whole thing and how he went back to this other character, you know, in this on and off again relationship that I just really didn't like. So I would have I removed that and I would have focused more on their relationship in the final season. I think you said something key there that I think hit on the head of why Game of Thrones hurt so much for so many people. And that's that in How I Met Your Mother, you said that they were building up to this and they squandered it. And I think that's how a lot of people felt for Game of Thrones. I know that's how I felt is that they had all this potential and they created all this interest and they kind of like, you know, left you hanging. And then when you're wanting them to resolve it, it's like they whiffed. It's like they just struck out hardcore. Like they just missed it. They missed the the whole thing that they were setting up for themselves. I'm trying to think if there were a lot of the shows that I, I also loved How I Met Your Mother. I totally agree with everything you said. I really liked Dawson's Creek. I, I, I feel like that ending I could change, but I don't think they like missed anything i don't think they squandered anything it wasn't a big miss well you could change small things too are there are there shows or or movies that you liked where you would change something small that you just didn't agree with in terms of you know how they presented for example spoiler alert at the end of dawson's creek they have one of the main characters pass away and i felt like it was needless like i was sobbing when it happened but it was like does that really need to happen? I don't know. Like, probably not. For me, I feel like when I get really invested in a show, you feel like the characters are, like, friends or, like, you you feel like New Girl. When New Girl ended, it was kind of, it felt rushed a little bit. But that's because they had, like, one more season and they had to, you know, jump ahead in time. And, like, I always hate that. I hate when people jump ahead in time. Like, just maybe don't do that. Unless that's something you do throughout the show. So anyway, I don't have one that's like, this is the worst. I would change it. Game of Thrones is probably the worst that I've experienced. Again, unless it's the kind of thing where when you start, you know the story you're telling and you know what you want to get to the end. I think part of the problem is that with sitcoms and and shows especially rather than movies, you never know when you're going to get extended or not extended, right? So you're you keep prolonging the story, you keep prolonging the story, and then eventually you're like, well, now we've got eight episodes to wrap it up. So I think that that's the danger is that you're creating it as you go. And so oftentimes the ending gets rushed. So we would love to hear from our listeners. Are there any 
movies or TV shows or books, anything that you really liked for a long time and then just didn't like the ending of and that you would have liked to change, let us know what that is and we'd love to share your feedback on the show. Anything else for this marquee topic? No, let's do our teasers. All right, my teaser this week is an audition on the summer NBC hit, America's Got Talent. I saw this on YouTube. It came across as one of my recommended videos. And it's this guy named Cody Lee. He's a he's a young man who has autism and he's blind. He came out on stage with his mom, sort of helping him out there. And he was going to sing and play piano. And you could tell the judges, who include Simon Cowell, who is probably most famously known for his like rude behavior on American Idol way back in the day. You could tell that they were sort of, they were being very kind, but they weren't sure what they were going to hear. And this guy can sing, he can play, he's really, really talented. And it was just like this really emotional performance from this guy who has clearly dealt with a lot of struggles in his life. And I'm excited to see, you know, where he goes on the show. I'm not an avid watcher of America's Got Talent, but I enjoy it when it's on. And I'll be excited to see how far he goes. And I'll link his performance in the show notes. Maureen, what is your teaser this week? I want to watch that. Mine is something to listen to rather than to watch. So mine is the Before Breakfast podcast with Laura Vanderkam. She is uh, an author. Probably that's what you best know her for. She's written a lot of time management books. But this is like, each episode is like seven to ten minutes. And it answers the listener's question about like, how to be productive with their time. So like how to be a better listener. She had one about morning routines that I listened to today. And I always get like flustered at morning routine books or episodes or things like that because I'm like, come on now. There's different phases of life. But when you have little kids, it's pretty hard to have a morning routine. But she gave some really different examples of ways people fold in just 10 minutes for themselves in the morning. And I really liked that because it felt really actionable, regardless of what stage in life you're in, whether you are a teenager yourself or whether you're raising children or whether you're an empty nester, 10 minutes is easily doable. And she gave, like I said, a lot of different examples. So this is just one. I find it really interesting, really short little snippets and... She's got a unique perspective, so check it out. All right, I think that will do it for this week. Maureen, thanks for another great episode. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash popcast. We would love to hear from you and would especially love to hear what you want to hear about on the show. You can also reach us by emailing thepopcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We put out a new one every Friday, and if it's not too much trouble, please drop us a rating or a review. It helps other people find our show. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Bye, honey. Bye. (laughs) Okay. Maureen does a pretty convincing dolphin Josh, sound. Josh, can you do your dolphin sound? No, I cannot. Please, just try. <laughs> it looks worse than it sounds, everyone.